everyone, Senna here. Just wanted to give a brief heads up that in the second episode we discussed this week, there's a lot of mention of animal death. The episode itself is kind of wrapped up in that, and as such, I will include timestamps in the description so that you can avoid that if that is content you don't want to hear about. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Stay cool chats. This is a tired energy to enter this podcast with. This is a tired of the world energy. But, you know, what can, what can you do? What can you do? Find the secret of eternal life and solve all of the world's problems. Here's hoping, you know, honestly, like, I, I don't know if eternal life is what I want so much anymore, but, you know, what, what, <laughs> I, I don't know where I'm going with this sentence even. I so for for the listeners, I did almost end up forgetting I had a second episode to watch this week uh, until about 3 a.m. last night, and I was like, I, I was telling Sam straight up like I ended up like smoking like uh, like I smoke weed. I feel like that's okay to say on this podcast, um, but like I, I almost ended up smoking a bowl at like 3 a.m. last night, and then I was like, wait, I still have to watch the second episode, and I definitely don't want to watch, like, the Cone episode stoned, because that just sounds worse. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh... But, you know, I, I ended up watching it. I, I think things went okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as far as, episode, as far as Cone episodes have the potential to be, this was, like, hitting on the good parts of Cone. For the most part, for the most part. Um, yeah, no, like, I, I guess let's, uh, let's hop into the show. This is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Senna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. Uh, I guess let's just jump into it with episode 134, The Beautiful Patissier, Yumichka. Um, am I pronouncing that word right? Like, I, I feel like I'm pronouncing that word right. Yeah, Patissier. Okay, cool. Close. Close, close enough. Like, not my language, so, like, obviously I struggle with that, but, you know, it, it's close enough that I feel okay about it. Yeah, it's recognizable, that's all you need. Exactly. Uh, the episode opens with Genryusai telling Mayuri to head to the world of the living to check for the spirit waves of the Espada and the Arankar, as well as to simplify the procedures for executing Gente Kaijo, which, if you don't remember because we haven't really talked about it in a while... Uh, is basically turning their human world power limiters off because, like, all the, like, captains and lieutenants have, like, power limiters so they don't, like, you know, blow shit up. Um, in R&D, though, Mayuri's just like, Akon, you go down to Earth or send one of the team members down to Earth. 
and he insists there's no guarantee that he'd find anything related to the Arankar or the Espada. So he'll just show up in winter during the showdown, quote unquote. He's like, look, we know the fight's happening in winter. I know they'll be there that at that time, so I don't actually care about anything else. Just f- just get it done. Just find a way to get it done. I don't care. I'm going to go sleep in my bed of goo or something. I don't know. I don't know what he I, does in his time off. I just think it's so funny that, like, Yamamoto tells him to do this, and then he just, like, goes to his own department and is like, all right, why don't you do this? And he just, like, tosses the papers he's holding, uh, and Nemu, like, picks them up or catches them. I didn't actually process which one happened, but I assume maybe a combo of the two. So it's actually uh, really funny because he tosses them and they all spread out, but then they like float in such a way that they land into Nemu's hand, mostly in a pile. <laughs> <laughs> that That's pretty good. Uh, Nemu just like hands the papers to Akon and he also like looks at Akon as just like, you know, I think maybe the captain just doesn't want to be bothered with all of this. <laughs> and Akon's like, okay, I don't want to be bothered with all of this either. Who wants to go to the world of the living? And the very soft-spoken Rin Tsubokura says that he would like to. He, like, raises his hand all nervously, and he's like, uh, me? I'll go. Uh, Hiosu is like, that's strange for you. You normally just eat sweets and, like, do nothing. <laughs> and Akon's like, perfect for the job. All right, get out there, champ. <laughs> we'll assign someone from the fourth company to protect you and assist you. Don't, don't worry, you'll be safe. <laughs> Squad 4, known for its protection services. Um, so he also hands, like, a small bag to Reen, and he's like, these are the molars that Ikaku requested. <laughs> and that's, like, the end of that goof. And I was so glad we got that. I love that this the 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 molars through line is just it's still here. Me too. It's it's incredibly good. Uh, I had like forgotten all about it, and then he hands the bag to Rina. I'm like, oh, thank God, this is getting followed through on. Uh, so Rin stands before the Sinkaimon and gets super excited about all the sweets that the human world must have that Soul Society doesn't. He plans to stuff himself. Uh, his guide shows up, and it's Hanataro. And both of them immediately fall over before the two introduce themselves to each other. Hanataro first takes Rin to Urahara's shop, saying that he comes here often while in the human world, but at first nobody appears to be home. Of course, Rin being Rin, he immediately starts grabbing sweets just like off the shelves, and Hanatro's like, you can't just eat those without paying. This, this, this is how the human world works. You need to pay for those. And then Tessai just shows up ominously behind the two of them, like, why are you here? <laughs> it's so good. But, like, I I see Rin taking the sweets, like, just randomly, and I'm like, oh, right. Soul Society is the rich part. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a concept of goods and services. He really does not. And it, it, I, I think it's great. I was I was losing my shit at this part. Uh, we cut to a meal with Urahara, and Tanatro explains the mission, while Rin falls in love with the snacks that Urahara has offered. Uh, you know, good old Hatton Clogs recounts the trouble that Hitsugaya's group had with the Arankar because of Gente Kaijo taking too long, and he agrees to show them the battle sites before telling Yumichika, who is just kind of standing in the hall against the doorway, to show them to the battle sites. Yumichika's like, why me? <laughs> And Urahara's like, well, you don't look busy, and Hitsugaya doesn't think you're busy, so you certainly have free time, so, you know, get on it. Uh, and then we cut to uh, one of the craters that was left behind by the Arankar, uh, and Yumichika tells the two others to hurry up, as he really is busy. Uh, Rin's like, I picked up a pattern, and he's holding like a scroll, basically, um, that's like picking up a bunch of waveforms. And Hanatra asks Yumichika to take them to the next spot. On the way there... I w- wait, one moment. I want to point out that the, the machine that is printing out the scroll is like a defor- a weird deformed monster corpse thing that looks like it's yelling silently. It, and it it's is... Print- <laughs> it's printing onto the scroll with the fingernails of a dead hand. 
it it is incredibly good. On honestly, like if if you have not watched Bleach and you still like listen to this podcast, but you don't like watch every episode or whatever, anytime we talk about a machine that R and D has, assume it's some weird monstrosity uh, that does like a completely menial task, like because it usually is that. Yeah, it's I. It's either like desiccated corpse-like, or it's like covered in tentacles and wiggling. Exactly, exactly. It's just the R and D look. So, Hanataro asks Yumichika to take them to the next spot, and on the way there, Yumichika complains about having to walk, but because Hanataro isn't that good at flash step, they just kind of have to. Uh, Rin disappears momentarily. Like they, they both like, like turn around. And they're like, "Where is?" Where's Reen? Where where did he go? Um, and he disappears momentarily to buy a cake. He has sort of a really disturbing projector that can just make his soul appear to be a physical body. And that's how he bought a cake without a gee guy. <laughs> I really love that he just has this device where yeah. he's like, oh yeah, no, like, you don't need a gee guy when I do this. I could just go in and buy shit with it. And it's like, why, why do you have this with you? <laughs> I, I love it. I, I think it's perfect, honestly. Um, Yumichika asks Rin to carry on with the mission so they can go on and get out of here. And then a soul walks out of the cake shop, his soul chain bound to the shop. He's surprised the soul reapers can see him, and when Hanatro explains who they are, Yumichika jumps in and he's like, Okay, guy, it's dangerous for you to stay at the store. Like, I get you're attached to it, but, you know, it's time to pass on. You're going to Soul Society. And the spirit starts, like, freaking out. He's like, now, wait, wait, hold on a second, as Yumichika approaches him. But Yumichika explains the dangers of Hollows and prepares to perform Konso anyway. Uh, the spirit is basically begging at this point. And is like, no, wait, listen to my story, please. And Yumichika keeps drawing closer before being stopped by both Hinatro and Rin, who say, you know, maybe we should hear him out. Cut to sunset over Karakura Town, and the group and spirit hang out by the riverbank. Which is weird, because this is a bound spirit. But they literally comment on this, and they're like, Wow, your chain is really long. Normally bound spirits can't, like, leave the place they're attached to. Yeah, they're like... They're just like, yeah, your chain is, like... Nor it should only be, like, two meters, but it seems to be, like, several kilometers or something. What the fuck? <laughs> weird but they just kind of brush over it it's really funny honestly um they urge the spirit to go on with his story and the spirit finally introduces himself officially as heita momoyama he's a cake baker who used to work at that shop before being hit by a car but while he was alive he trained every day to make cakes yumichika cuts in to say he can't make cakes anymore because you know he's dead and Rina's like you don't have to say that like that's very mean don't do that like we know we know he can't make cakes that's the point that's why he's telling us he used to make cakes <laughs> he literally said it in the sentence he literally said he used to like chill yumichika and yumichika's just like okay so what's troubling you and as it turns out Hita's mother comes to like pray for him every morning when the streets are clear but she's been getting thinner and, like, his sister uh, offered for, like, his mom to come live with her and her husband. Um, and she, like, agreed to this. So, as it turns out, through all of this, his mother never got to eat one of his cakes. So, he's like, I need you guys to make one, and if it's to my specifications, it should still count as my cake. It's, like, a bit weird, but, like, it'll still be my cake, and, like, I'll be able to pass on if you do this. Reen, of course, is, like, super excited about the idea and is like, okay, we'll do it. And then Heita thanks him, and we cut to the Urahara shop kitchen, which has just been remodeled, and it looks amazing. <laughs> Urahara's like, oh, yeah, Tessai, like, made, got, uh, I was consulting with Tessai about getting us a kitchen, and we made it, like, recently. And I'm like, Urahara, did you... Are you the one who killed that man? <laughs> Did you set this up so you would have someone to test your kitchen? I, I wouldn't put it past him. That sounds like an Urahara move. I, I just... God. Uh, so, 
Tessai, like, leans over Rin and is like, hey, try not to break anything. And then meanwhile, Urahara's just like, don't worry, we have all the ingredients you need perfectly set up. Feel free to use them. Uh, it's weird you're interested in this, Yumichka. And Yumichka's just, just kind of, like, staring at himself, at, like, in a reflection. And he's like, wow, I look great in a baker's uniform. <laughs> he literally says, oh, I'm not interested in this, don't worry. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> he just thinks the uniform is cool, which is great. I I love him. Uh, Heita's like, all right, guys, I'm counting on you. Uh, and he instructs the group, uh, starting to scold Hinatro for ruining an egg, Rin for tasting the cake too much, and Yumichka for cutting the fruit too large, and then after that, cutting the fruit too small. <laughs> Yumichka tells Heita, maybe he should do it then. But of course, Heita's dead, so he can't. It's nighttime now, and they have a finished cake, but Heita says, we can't give it to my mom yet. Because we have to taste it. If it's good, we'll make another one, and we'll give it to her. Of course, Heita can't taste it, but the Soul Reapers prepare to have some, and they kind of just kind of drop the bomb that none of them have had cake before. It doesn't exist in Soul Society. And Heita's like, well, we can't do that. Like, is there any there? Is there anybody around here who has had cake before? And Udonu's just kind of there and shows up. And it's like, um, uh. We cut to Renji and Chad continuing to train as Udonu brings them cake. She explains the situation to them. And Chad's like, well, I've had cake before. So I guess I can try this. And Renji's like, I know everything about the world of the living. So yes, I'll try the cake. I'll know if it's good. I love both of them. I also love that Uruu, like, shows up, is like, oh, you need someone to taste the cake. She doesn't taste the cake. She brings it to someone else. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I, I adore it, honestly. I think it's perfect. Uh, what I also think is perfect is that we basically get a shot of both of them, tr- like, picking up the cake and preparing to try it. And the camera cuts to Ururu away from, like, both of their faces. And we just see Ururu looking extremely shocked. And we don't get to see Renji or Chad's reaction, but we can assume it was bad. It's so good. Honestly, this episode, uh, like, the second half of this episode is just some really good comedic timing overall. some And some really good, like little loops of animation that he would do. Like, the animation of Ururu, like, holding the cake plate above her head with both arms while she's running in the big desert training area is really fucking good. Yeah, I I love it. I think it's great. Um, So, after both try it, uh, it cuts back to Heita, saying that they need to remake it, which means it's time for a baking tasting montage, with Renji and Chad eventually hiding from Ururu as she brings more and more out. There's, like, a shot of them literally hiding behind a rock as Renji's just like, no, Chad, be quiet, we can't have more cake. And it's, it's incredibly funny. But also, like, the first time she brings them one cake, then she brings them two. Then she brings them, like, five. And then the last one, she's got, like, 16 cakes on a platter. <laughs> it's it's incredible, honestly. I, I was so glad we got, like, a montage straight up. It, it's exactly what this episode needed. It is good. It's also, like, a really good training. Like, it's a fun training montage of, okay, well, like, they slip, they slip up here and they, like, get a bunch of stuff dirty there. But, like... You see them getting better and better throughout the montage. They're just like, yeah. oh, this is like a really heartwarming thing. I like it. I love it. I, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was very cute. Sometime later, Heita stares at the flowers his mom has left for him. And Hinatra explains that to Rin, I believe, uh, that his mother is moving tomorrow. And thus, it will be the last day she brings him any flowers. So they have to get this last cake right. Things are going well in the kitchen. On all ends, Yumichka tells Heita that time is running out, so let's make a beautiful, delicious cake for Heita's mom. And you know if you asked, he, you know if you asked Yumichka if he cared about this now, he'd be like, no. But he definitely cares about this now. Yeah, he'd be like, obviously I don't care, but if you're going to make something, you might as well make something beautiful, and that tastes beautiful <laughs> too. Otherwise, you're wasting my goddamn time. 
Exactly. T- exactly that. Um, everybody here seems excited to give it their best shot. If it tastes good, they're all set. The group tastes it, and all three are in love with this cake. Heita is crying, and Yumichka says it's time to give it to his mother. So the group confronts her as she prays for Heita, and they explain that they're friends of his, and that they heard she was moving. She thanks them for looking after him, and and Reen explains that they have Momoyama's cake. Of course, they're the ones that made it, but it was a recipe that he taught them, so this is technically his. Heita stands by, and although she can't hear him, he tells her that it's a bit late, but this is a cake for her. Of course, well, not of course, but unfortunately, she says she can't accept it. She can't stand cake anymore. It brings back all the painful memories of him, and she begins to walk away. Heita begs her to wait with words that don't reach, and pushes through the reapers who drop the cake, and through tears he begs her to stay. His soul chain begins to spark with energy, and it attracts a menos grande. <laughs> Yumichka hops out of his gigai and prepares to deal with it while protecting the fallen but not destroyed cake. Uh, Hanatro tries to calm Heita down as he freaks out, pulling his mom toward him with his chain. Rin and Hanatro are desperately trying to stop him from becoming a hollow, and Hanatro hits the chain with his blade to heal the wound, before launching a blast at the Menos, allowing Yumichka to defeat it. I am so glad we got to see Hanatro in action in this episode. I love that it's like, it's continuing the through line of like, oh yeah, when Hanataro's like in, this is this is a job for a squad for healer support. Uh, when he goes into that mode, you're like, okay, yeah, right. He's one of the top seats of his division. He's really skilled. He's good at his job. And here he, like, just pulls out his sword, heals it, fills up the the super meter, and then launches an attack on the Menos. So then he's like, alright, Yubichika, all yours. It's great. I I really appreciate that, like, Hanatra's not a character you would expect to take on a Menos. So, like, him doing this is just like, oh yeah, no, he's good at what he does. It's just like, it's really nice to see. I'm really glad. I do have some questions about them just constantly dropping Menos Grandes in this town, but you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, after Yumichika defeats the Menos Grande, uh, in case you, well, we already went over that. I, I just went on an explanation about uh, fucking Hinatro's Zompok Toe and how it like absorbs people's wounds, allowing it to inflict those wounds on others. Uh, so Hinatro was healing Heita, specifically a wound of the heart, he says. And luckily it seems to have done the trick. Heita goes to his mom, who is now able to see him because of the weird projector that Rin had <laughs> that is just suddenly here and functioning for some reason. <laughs> Rin is also like, hey, when the fuck did you get out of my backpack? So, Which implies that this thing is sentient and knew that now was the time to like make a heartfelt moment. It's incredibly funny. Uh, Heita explains to his mom that he finally completed his cake for her. And Yumichika like pulls up behind and is like, yeah, it's, it's a little smashed, but you know, it's still gonna taste good. And Heita's mom tries it and she agrees. It's delicious. I tried really hard not to laugh during this scene because, like, it was it was a heartfelt moment. However, Heita's mom, the way she's acting, she's acting as if she's the most disappointed in this cake she could be, but trying to say it's good for his sake. Which, hey, you didn't taste the cake. Maybe it is a terrible, terrible, awful cake. <laughs> It might be. It's just, she looks at him with a completely blank expression and just goes, it's good. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all that for this? New headcanon. Uh, the last cake was never actually tested by Renji and Chad because they had successfully hidden from Ururu, which meant the only people taste testing it were the people who never tasted cake before. <laughs> Turns out it was a terrible cake. Turns out it was terrible. Um... But she agrees and says it's delicious, and then apologizes to Heita, saying that she won't hurt when she sees cake anymore. And then the episode ends as Heita's tears stream down his face. You've healed her cake trauma. You've healed her cake trauma. 
I, I I don't know. I I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was sweet. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but I I I think for me personally speaking, I could have done without the battle. I like. I think this episode would have been a bit stronger without it, because I feel like it just adds some unnecessary action to what is otherwise a really light and, like, heartfelt episode. Yeah, I like the, um, like, I like the beat where Yumichika effortlessly blocks the Menos Grande's attack, and then he realizes, oh, I fucked up, it's it's going towards the cake, and he has to block it with his body, and then that's why he he needs uh, Hanataro's help to kill it later. Yeah. But also... That didn't need, like, it's a fun beat, but also could have entirely just not been there, and the episode would have probably been better for it. And, and that's not to say, like, the, the fight is bad, because, like, I think the animation during it is, like, part, like pretty good, actually. Like, I, I thought it looked really cool, and I, I did very much enjoy seeing Hinatro, like, actually fight, uh, even if just for a second. It's just, with the rest of the emotional beats of the episode... I feel like it would have been more effective if they didn't, like, tack on the, oh, there's a Meadows Grande here. Because it, it just feels like the mom having cake trauma, it, like, while it is understandable, it feels like it only exists so that they can fight this Meadows Grande, and it makes the end result a little less effective. I will, so, part of the reason that a Meadows Grande appears is there is a th- there is a through line across all of these episodes where, like, there are there are more hollows that are appearing than usual, and there are specifically there are Menos Grande that are showing up like all the time, which is yeah. really weird. Uh, that's like you know it's a purposeful through line that they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I you know this this thing didn't need to be a huge fight. Um, yeah, you, like you could have had Momoyama just you could have kept the K trauma, have Momoyama like start to turn into a hollow, and then just have. Hanataro, like, heal him and then shoot into this guy, it still would have worked. Um, yeah, like, I, I almost would have preferred it if it was just Momoyama, like, trying to not become a hollow. Like, I, I think that might have been more interesting. But otherwise, pretty fun, light episode. I enjoyed it quite a bit. What was the uh, post-credits pit this time, Sam? Well, I do want to say, counterpoint, we did see the Mo- the Menos Grande, like, flying in the air with its cape spread out like a wraith, and it looks fucking sick compared to when it's just standing on the ground. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Fair counterpoint. I have changed my views entirely. <laughs> right, so the post-credits bit is Rin shows back up to work at the 12th Division, and whoops, turns out that the Ikaku's teeth got destroyed in the Menos fight. So he did what Akon had told them to do sep- uh, previously. He gave Ikaku a bag that basically said, hey, these molars are invisible to idiots. <laughs> and Akon's like, I wasn't being serious. My god, I was kidding. I, I was just fucking around. Like, we call them idiots. Ikaku and Yumichika are not actually stupid. And yet, Ikaku is incredibly confused. Well, he's, like, looking at the note, and he's like, I think what he's confused, because he's trying to understand who the fuck would respond to him like this. <laughs> like, whose fault is this? Because, obviously, if you put a note like that in a tiny bag, if they're invisible, you should still feel them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I thought this was an okay bit. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Well, I just love the fact that Akon's like, my guy, <laughs> I cannot believe you actually went there. It's so funny. I I, I appreciate Akon so much. Oh, shall we cut the break? Let's cut the break. get right back into it with episode 135 Colin is deceived Rangiku on the lookout this I, I before we get into this episode I want to state that this might be the world record for the fastest I have ever wanted to turn a bleach episode off fair uh, <laughs> I also want to state 
Con I have no fucking idea where Con is deceived comes into anywhere in this episode. Oh, I know, I know where it comes in. Um, I don't worry. We'll get, we'll get there. It's very early on. I, I is, know. Is it like the actual second thing that happens? Because I feel like that's the sec that's the thing that they might be talking about. But I don't know. It, it, it is basically the second thing that happens, yeah. Yeah, so the episode opens with Khan getting stepped on and walking around with Rangiku, and both of them see a girl lose her stuffed animal in the river, and also immediately fall down the bridge trying to get it. <laughs> this child, like, she doesn't just, like, lean over and fall off, like, she's already halfway out just trying to get her her plushie and then she falls down. I just want to state, you you went... I'm looking at the wiki so I can keep up like I usually do. You just went through, like, the first four paragraphs of this wiki in, like, two sentences. And honestly, I respect that. <laughs> I mean, nothing I can talk about that... Khan Gets Stepped On has a bunch of perverted comments. Uh, he walks with Rangiku. Like, there's nothing else that happens in that scene. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, Actually, one one of the things about this episode that I think is weird is that it's never explained why he shows up at Orihime's apartment. It really is not explained why he shows up there, no. Uh, like, so it's, it's just like, it happens and it was like, okay, well, I guess he's walking around with Rangiku now. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. The, the premise setup for this episode, incredibly weak. Yeah, so now we have a child that's drowning in the river. She has, like, her plush is also, like, getting washed away in the river. The teddy bear is slightly big. Like, she's, like, five or six, and the teddy bear is bigger than she is. Like, it is yeah. a massive teddy bear. Uh, so Khan and Khan's like, Rangiku, jump into the river and save the kid. <laughs> and Rangiku's like, got it. So she grabs her Shinigami glove takes Khan out of his body, and then Baseball throws him into the child-sized plush. It's honestly perfection. 10 out of 10 throw. Uh, he immediately wakes up, like, in the river, just being like, what the fuck have you done? Fine, I'll save the kid, goddamn. Uh, so he saves the kid, gets back onto the, the riverside. The child wakes up, and as the kid is, like, talking to the police, because obviously... You know, bystanders were like, oh my god, someone fell in the river, call the police, someone come help. Uh, <laughs> Rangiku takes this opportunity to just to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to answer the police, fuck that. <laughs> Shut the fuck up Friday. I don't care Hence. if I'm a cop. Don't talk to other cops either. <laughs> Hence, Kone is deceived. <laughs> uh, at this point, though, like, Kone is still in the giant body, so he's like, well, I guess I'm... I guess I'm going home with this child now. <laughs> so the policeman brings the kid home, and Khan starts marveling at how rich the apartment looks. Just, like, fancy furniture everywhere. And the child goes off, gets a, uh, she gets a towel, she gets a hair dryer, uh, and Khan is trying to, he's trying to, like, play the part, but he can't take the heat, so he ends up giving up the ruse. The little girl, obviously, incredibly pleased that her Shintaro can move after all. Because she's been praying to God for this to happen for a while. <laughs> Khan's like, what the fuck? It's such a weird and specific thing for a little girl to pray to God for, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, she's been wanting a friend. Yeah. Uh, she introduces herself as Miyuki, and Khan's just like, I'm just going to explain everything away. I lost my memory when I was dunked in the river. <laughs> That's why I have to ask questions. Don't worry about it. Don't don't worry about it. It's fine. He asks her if she's alone, and she says that her mom's working, and her dad got dumped for being a good for nothing. <laughs> you know, the the way kids talk about their divorced parents. Of course. So Khan's like, "Well, shit, time to play with the lonely kid." Uh, unfortunately, she's got the same penchant as Yuzu for dressing Khan up in frilly dresses, and. Then she also play like she tries to make him eat a bunch of rubber snakes and bugs. At first, it's unpleasant to him, and but it's better to go through that physical discomfort than having a child crying. So he like forces himself to play her games, uh, which I thought was really sweet. 
Yeah, like, it is a sweet moment of, you know, props to Cone for actually, like, doing his best to play along. Even though it does, there is kind of a through line through most of this episode. I, I will say, like, I, I think it gets better by the end of the episode. There is a through line of most of this episode that Cone is just kind of dealing with her. And, like, that kind of left a, a taste in my mouth. But, you know, it's it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, like, he's he's taking care of her because no one else is around, basically. Like, if there was literally any adult around, he absolutely would just run away or something. Exactly. Eventually, he recommends that, oh, I, it's a nice day outside, let's go outside and play with your friends. And Miyuki says she doesn't want to go outside. And she has no friends. And, and she asks, doesn't need them. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't need any friends. So, Khan asks, well, why were you outside earlier then? And she explains, oh, it's because she hasn't been to her old house where she was really happy with her huge white dog, Shintaro, and her two parents, like, in a happy marriage since they moved. Uh, so she was she was just trying to go find her good, the, like, the place where she had fun before, which was her previous house. Uh, because this apartment doesn't take pets, so the current Shintaro was purchased so that she wouldn't miss her dog. Well, where's the dog now? Oh, you know, he got hit by a car and died. I... So, during this whole exchange, there was, like, a moment where, when they were, like, first talking about the dog, I was like, oh god, did the dog die? Like, that's so sad. Did the dog die? And then she's like, oh, we just couldn't bring him to this apartment. And I was like, oh, thank god. And then she's like, and then he got hit by a car. And I'm like, oh god. It sucks. It's so much. <laughs> it is a lot. Khan, <laughs> um, like, doesn't spend a lot of time on this, He but he is surprised that, like, her mom didn't even call her after she almost drowned. Uh, but the kid explains that she basically told the police not to call her parents or because she doesn't want to bother her mom at work. <laughs> I... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, this child. This poor kid. So, one, this poor fucking kid. Two, I'm. This is not me in any way advocating that cops should ever be cooperated with. However, I feel like any reasonable cop, not that there are any, any reasonable would, adult, <laughs> would call her parents regardless of her wishes here, considering she is like literally like five years old. Yeah, the cop just showed up at her apartment, was like, "Are you going to be okay with here alone?" And she said, "Yeah," and then he closed the door. <laughs> and it's like, did do do you even have do you even know if this is actually her house? Yeah, it's like he doesn't he doesn't like as far as you know maybe she got the key from someone else. Like, it, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> yeah, lot to unpack. We don't have time for it because who gives a shit about fictional cops? Exactly. Yeah. So Khan says, okay, well, you know, that's fine. He's going to bring her to see her old house. Uh, so we just cut immediately to the house. And no one's there. Like, no one's living in this house. It's just been abandoned for a while. Miyuki finds a toppled flower vase where... <laughs> Miyuki, like, looks at a toppled flower vase next to a, um, a telephone pole. And Khan's like, hey, what's that? <laughs> She's just like, oh, this is where Shitar was hit by a car. <laughs> I'm like, damn. I... Um... I feel bad for laughing, but it really is kind of just ridiculous. <laughs> just like, okay, sure. Yeah, and as soon as she straightens the flower jar, Khan feels a disturbance in the force. <laughs> There's a large roar that sounds out, and it like it breaks telephone poles and stuff just right to block off both of their... Like, it breaks one before them, it breaks one after them, and their only way of dodging the electrical cables coming to for their faces is to go inside the um inside the yard of the of the house uh so they do and the door closes immediately behind them trapping them in the yard of the abandoned house dun 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 it is it is at this point of the episode that i'm like okay if this stuffed animal weren't cone and this were just like a series, like a short, like 12 episode anime about like a young girl and her like stuffed animal companion that is alive, like going through a bunch of like horror scenarios. Like I would watch that. 
I would enjoy that greatly, honestly. Like, I, I think that could be really good. But it's Kone, so I'm just like, eh, okay. <laughs> Counterpoint. If Kone was busy doing this, he wouldn't have time to do any of the shit that annoys us when he's doing it. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in, they're in the yard, and Kone is wondering what the fuck is happening, even as he's like... Kicking and punching flying pots and, bu- like, flying flower pots and buckets and shattering windows. And eventually there's, like, this big two-headed wolf horse hollow beast that shows up. I really like its design. It looks really good. Uh, the kid asks what the hell it is, since she can see she can see that something's there. Kind of like Yuzu uh, from, like, early Bleach. She can see that there's something blurry in the area, but she can't, like, make out quite what it is. Um... Khan takes action, kicking a bucket at it, and then running off with uh, with Miyuki. He then tries to fight the hollow and confirms pretty quickly that he can't hurt it. Like <laughs> he is a soft teddy bear. I I do like the detail here um, that Khan does fight like exclusively using his legs. Just because we we know as viewers that, like, that's his, like, ability. So I do like that even though he's in, like, stuffed animal form, they don't forget about that. They do, like, keep him fighting with his legs. And I, I don't know. It was just a small detail I appreciated. Yeah, like, he, he does, he ends up doing a couple of punches later, but that's after he knows that he can't actually hurt this thing. The best he can do is distract it long enough for Miyuki to run. Yeah. So he starts getting the shit, the literal stuffing beaten out of him, uh, but he keeps jumping back into battle in order to protect Miyuki. He tells her to run, and at the point where he's unable to stand and the hollow is about to eat her, she has a desperate plea for Shintaro to save her, which causes one of the heads to look at the other and start biting its neck, (laughs) Uh, which was just a really cool moment uh, right before Rangiku just like drops down from the sky to cut it in half. Yeah. And that shows us that the hollow was actually two spirits merged together, and one of them was Shintaro. It was Shintaro and then, like, a Doberman. Like, just another dog. Yeah. Just another dog from some various kids' movie where it was playing a villain role, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Miyuki worries about the beat-up Khan, but he tells her that she got saved by the real Shintaro, and that his time has come. She obviously she doesn't want him to leave but Khan chides her saying that even if he can't talk he'll keep watch over her with the real Shintaro he understands the pain that she's going through trying not to be a burden on her mom and then he talks about his own experience of being like abandoned and literally tossed around like trash but he was saved by his friends so if Miyuki feels lonely she should go out and make friends and it'll probably like her having friends is going to make her mom worry about her less so if her main goal is to make her mom worry less, then, you know, two birds, one stone. I also want to shout out just the fact that, like, when he's talking about his friends that saved him and that, like, helped him get through his rough spots, it's Ichigo, and we get, like, the supernatural crew. We've got Ishida, Chad, Orihime, Rukia, and then we also have Yuzu and Karen. <laughs> and I'm like, aww. It, it is sweet. I, I did... This this moment doesn't entirely land for me, and, like, once we're done covering it, like, I'll, I'll go a bit more into it, but, like, it, it is a sweet little bit of this scene, yeah. Yeah. Finally, after his little speech and hearing the police sirens, he falls down, and we see Miyuki gets reunited with her mom, while Khan, back in his body, asks Rangiku, hey, what the fuck's going on with the hollows? There is, like, way more of them that keep showing up in town and that's fucking weird and Rangiku's like well you know there's probably a big fight on the way that's it I'm not answering any of your questions fuck you I'm a cop <laughs> it's probably in you know happening in winter or whatever like Mayuri said uh, <laughs> it is it's so weird that she's just like yeah you don't need to know about this you're a civilian fuck you I, I kind of like that all of the, like, bigger name Soul Reapers in these past couple episodes, or at least these two, are are just like, I recognize that we are in a filler episode, so I'm choosing not to participate in it. Yeah, they're just like, listen, could I not not deal with this? Y'all are good enough for a filler episode, you've got this. 
It's so funny. It's really funny how they just push it onto the the side characters. Shout at me once someone with a name shows up. <laughs> God. Um, I I guess for like this scene, just to kind of go over what I do like and what I don't like about it, I do like the heartfelt points that Cone hits here. I I genuinely really like that stuff. I think that's great. I don't like that it is kind of coded in him being, like, standoffish and kind of mean to Miyuki, because while I do recognize that as, like, Kone's character to be kind of an annoying asshole, it just feels like it's not the time for him to be like, shut up, stop crying, you know, like, you're gonna do this thing, you have to go make friends, and basically, like, telling her you have to go do all this stuff, and, like... The stuff he is saying makes sense, and it does hit, but he's saying it in such a way that he, it's almost as if he's ordering her to do this stuff, and as if he's not, like, taking into account her feelings, and it, it just, it leaves the whole thing for me feeling, like, just a bit off from what it could have been, and I don't know, I, I feel like I'm nitpicking, but, like, it just, it almost landed for me. And I think that bothers me more than it missing entirely, or more, like, it bothers me more than it missing entirely, or more than if they really went for it and then somehow missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as for the post-credits bit, which honestly got a real loud laugh out of me, <laughs> is we get Rangiku just, like, laying around, eating snacks, reading manga, while Hitsugaya is cleaning up, and it's like, they've turned... Orihime's, or probably Rangiku has turned Orihime's uh, apartment into a fucking pigsty. Like, <laughs> there are trash bags everywhere. There's like empty bottles and like open bags of chips just like laying around the floor everywhere in the apartment. Uh, so Hitsugai is like, Rangiku, stop being lazy and fucking help, help out. Uh, she doesn't. She just keeps reading her manga. Later, when he's done with everything, he's, like, tying up the big trash bag. She starts yelling at him, Hey, you have to separate the types of trash. Like, start over. <laughs> yes, ma'am, whatever you... S- Wait, hold on a fucking minute. <laughs> and that's where it ends. <laughs> it's it's an incredibly good bit. I, I love this one. It was, it was very funny. It was really good. It was real good. Um... That about does it for these two episodes, though. Um, Next week we have more filler, but next week is the last of our filler weeks for the time being. Um, We've got two episodes that both sound like they wouldn't be filler, but somehow are filler. Um, Next episode is called Hueco Mundo Civil War, Olkiora's Death. I said somehow this isn't filler. Somehow it's er, not somehow, filler. Uh, no, rather, somehow this is filler. Somehow this is filler. And then the episode after that also sounds like it wouldn't be filler, but is, is Battle of Bad Faith, Aizen's Trap. I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see what these are when we get there, but it is astonishing to me that we have titles like this and it's not filler. <laughs> or no, it is filler. Fuck. You got me saying it too. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. But, alas, as all good things do, it is time for this to come to a close. Uh, You can find the show at BleachCast on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Paws. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hope you enjoy your week. Hope you have a good one. Stay cool, chads. I have cake trauma. (laughs) Yeah, you pulled that one out of nowhere. Shirokuro no hito,